Quantum Rabbit, a Frankenstein podcast. Australianiality Part 3. This is the final episode on a three-part series on the exhibition, curated by Sharon Tassica from the Janet Holmes Court Gallery and led by the artist Matt McVeigh. We'll start with Sharon. Today, we actually put the first piece up on the big wall. It's a book about human history. He's made some of the content of that. She's talking about Matt here. Taken it from the flat page and made it into a spiral of history. Matt's continuing to experiment and collaborate and definitely push a few boundaries, which he's never afraid of doing. I've got questions about where my work's going. Um, I've started to use mark making that have made up of dots. And I mean, there's a whole conversation about the dot mark and it actually sits in all cultures. The story of dot painting as it relates to an Australian Aboriginal art form is quite interesting because the modern style of dot painting that we often see today is not as old as some people might think. And a lot of people believe it actually started in the 70s. There was a guy called Geoffrey Barden, who was an art teacher in Central Australia at that time. And he was encouraging the local people to paint their stories. And the dots became a way to conceal some of the more sacred elements of those stories, which up until that time would often be drawn in sand and then smoothed over. For example, I painted a painting which it's problematic, but I know where it came from and I know the stories and I got permission and I actually showed a lot of Aboriginal people. Matt's really conscious around issues of appropriation, but it doesn't stop some people from being upset by what he's doing. And I was just looking at his Instagram the other day and here's a little quote from somebody that commented on one of his posts. This whole time, I thought you must be Aboriginal, but turns out you're just into really taking up space that Aboriginal people could have. Cultural appropriation is the worst form of flattery. The post goes on to say that it's impossible for Matt to meaningfully challenge the political status quo from the position of a white male artist, because all he can do is perpetuate the imbalance of power. Matt leaves a lengthy response which you can read on Instagram if you like. Meanwhile, this dot painting thing has got me asking questions about the difference between an important cultural tool and a technique like putting dots on cardboard or canvas. And when you think about it, even the idea of art itself or being an artist is quite a narrow Western framework in a way. You know, painting something on a canvas, placing that painting on a wall and adding a price tag to it is never going to be a true representation of a traditional cultural practice, even if it's done by a traditional person. Maybe it's always going to be a meld of two different things. I think it's a problem because there's a market, and I I am aware of that. If I'm selling work and people are thinking it's Aboriginal art or it's taking away another Aboriginal person's voice, there's a problem with that. Matt's also made a statement that he's not selling any of his artwork from this exhibition. Sukjit Korkhalsa is another artist involved in the project. She's a spoken word performer and a first-generation Australian Sikh. She told me a story about one of her shows. I was performing as a support act for this rapper called El Fresh the Lion. We did an Australian tour and I think one of the last stops was Perth, so we were in Frio. 
And it was the first time, I was a bit sensitive because every time I perform in my own hometown, I get more nervous and family comes and friends come that I grew up with. So it's kind of awkward. And there's this point in my set that I get, I'm, I'm very interactive with my audience. So I, I point at a random guy that kind of looks bogan and I get them onto the stage and act out a cat calling scene. So screaming out abuse um, to women, I guess, um, while driving. So we kind of act out, it's a bit comical, it's a bit fun. And I randomly pointed at Matt McVeigh and I didn't know who he was. He really like got involved. Um, we had some hilarious banter on stage. And I remember saying to him like, excuse me, mate, just calm down. And then he, he found it hilarious. And our friendship has grown since that moment. And then afterwards he came up to me and he was like, hey, I really want you to be a part of this project. Um, I love what you do. And apparently, so I don't remember this conversation, but he tells me that I was really standoffish. And I think it was because my family was there and they were like, why are you talking to this white boy? Very conservative family. So maybe I was on edge. I thought I've started to introduce myself as a white, a Caucasian Australian male artist, just giving myself that label because it seems like just... Well, it's really staking your claim in the power struggle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah. just that point at it. Like, yep. Yeah, I, look, to me, that's, it's not important to me because I suppose I feel, I feel connected to Australia. Um, I don't like our history, but I can understand Aboriginal people not seeing themselves as Australian. He's one of those rare characters that always surprises me. You know, he could have been my high school bully if we were the same age. He could have been the guy that was part of the crew in school that I was actually intimidated by. And at, and at sometimes in my life, I've always wanted to be um, a white guy for some reason. I've always wanted to be who my bullies were. I wanted to know what Sukhjit thought about Matt being accused of appropriation. Does that mean when it comes to hating on Captain Cook or um, hating on colonialism, that it's just the job of, let's say, Indians or people for, or people of colour. Let's use that fucked up term. Um, you know, is you it... You don't like that term? I don't like POC? it. POC? I like to what? have that explained to me. It's like, what's POC? People are just using it like everyone, yeah. know, everyone knows what POC is. What, you don't no. know what POC is? No. My friend, my friend moved from Pakistan and she goes, she works in the arts now and she goes, dude, when I moved here, I don't know why everyone kept on calling me a POC. She's like, in Pakistan, I was just a human. It doesn't even sound... No. Ni- it's not a nice sound word. It doesn't, word. no... Another non-POC involved in the project is Peter Docker. He's also a writer, and he's got a story about growing up in southwestern Australia and what that meant at the time. I grew up in remote western Australia, a small country town in the 60s and 70s. It was undeclared apartheid, and I most definitely uh, inherited the attitudes of everybody around me, not that my family were racist or... Even though I didn't particularly thought I knew anybody who was racist, but society was incredibly racist. And, you know, this is in in Esperance, but it could have been any other country town. I played footy. Um, Footy's the big leveller. We had a lot of Aboriginal kids playing in our team as well. We played for Esperance. And really, there was two teams out there, Black Esperance and White Esperance. And if Black Esperance got the ball, they really wouldn't kick it to White Esperance. And they'd only kick it to other Black Esperance. Oh, so they're on your team? They're on my team, yeah. Okay. And so White Esperance would only ever kick it to White Esperance. So you know, the first year where we won the grand final was because we had a Noongar coach. And he went to you know one of the 
the, the Noongar players and said, you know, when you get the ball, you've got to kick it to, you know, a white fella, a wadula, and, you know, and came to me and said, if you don't kick it to a black fella, I'm dragging you. And in those days, there was no uh, interchange. If you got dragged, you were off for the game. In the context of this, if we'd be playing Newtown, who also had a lot of Aboriginal players and white players, there'd be four teams out there. There'd be black Esperance, white Esperance, black Newtown and white Newtown, all kind of playing this weird kind of game of football. I mean, we're, we're talking about the mid-70s. It's apparent that everyone involved in this exhibition has their own take on what it is to be Australian and how that relates to their own identity. One of the things that constantly comes up around this conversation is Australia Day and the date, the 26th of January. It's a celebration day. It represents the arrival of the British at Sydney Cove in 1788. It's controversial because it also marks the beginning of a lot of the negative side effects of colonisation. And many people now refer to it as Invasion Day for that reason. When I realised how ignorant I was, I've tried to educate myself on what Australian history is. One of the issues about talking to Australians and West Australians about our history is that it's very difficult to get into any kind of serious discussion because nobody knows anything. Nobody knows what happened last week, let alone what the colonisation process was. I think, you know, for example, when the anti-discrimination laws came in federally, it was something like 170-odd laws in Western Australia had to be repealed because they were racist. Yeah, who knows that kind of stuff? Even in my time at school in the 70s, Noongar people were denied going to school. So now when people are talking about the uptake of education, many people, their, their parents or grandparents may have been denied going to school. I mean, that's I'm quoting Anna Haybook, Anna Haybeck's books there. You know, I have a rudimentary understanding, as I say. I, you know, I try to educate myself and I urge everybody else to do it, whatever country you're in. The argument about the, our constitution not recognising First Nations people, you know, many people have a very strong opinion about it without having read the constitution, without having read the proposed changes, for example. Now, whichever way you sit on that issue, many people, you know, many Aboriginal people, of course, go, it's irrelevant to us what we, what we are seeking is, is a sovereignty. Many other Aboriginal people would say, we, already, we have our sovereignty because we never ceded it. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff you can read, especially now with the proliferation of fantastic Aboriginal writers, historians, um, all sorts. You know, there's a, there's a wealth of information out there. And of course, tragically, most of this stuff is not taught in school. So my children had the same issue as me. They came out of school still knowing nothing about our history, still knowing absolutely nothing. But... As I say now, you know, they don't teach massacres in school, but you can go to Wikipedia and find them. You know, so they're there. You can you can do this research yourself. And, you know, I urge all Australians, and as I say, even if you're in another country, know a bit about the history of your country, and then you can discuss it. As I say, discussing things at a dinner party or in a bar or something with somebody who doesn't know anything about it is a very tricky proposition very tricky and and it somehow seems so australian yeah (laughs) in the last episode we also met curtis taylor he's an artist from the western desert region in western australia i also asked what it means to be australian for him you know for me sharing knowing wherever you go on this continent australia that you pay respects to all the different uh, people and the birds and animals and, you know, uh, if you go fishing that, and you pay respects to the power of the water or the wind, everything, you know, that uh, 
that I think for me as my personal belief yeah that's what my idea of Australia is you know regardless of what people's political opinions are about who's in this exhibition or whose place it is to talk I hope there's a philosophy in it and I hope there's a sentiment that runs through it and I hope there's a movement and I hope people come out of it kind of going this is nothing I haven't thought of but it's been told to me in a slightly different way or it shifts it a couple of degrees and that's all we can ask for I mean in little increments and hopefully it encourages other people to you know to make contact and have discussions and break down those barriers you know can I say things that you won't put in? <laughs> yeah. I've tried to keep control of him. It's very hard. Um, on the one hand, he'll be saying to me, like, you know, you're the curator, you deal with this, and then and then he'll be acting terribly curatorially for, you know, like, 80% of the time. And, yeah, I'll say it quite softly, but I think, I think he's quite gifted, really, Matt. Yeah. Anyway, don't let him hear that bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he said, you know, I'll drive you crazy, Sharon, and from time to time he does. Yeah. The exhibition Australianiality runs from the 3rd to the 25th of November 2018 in Perth, Western Australia, if you're lucky enough to be in this city. It's great weather here, by the way. You're about to hear Sharon give a condensed rundown of some of the work. a big perspex cube, an abstract work out of Pilbara marble, carved boab nuts about the police and the prison's history in Derby. Images of the goldfields, there's a sculptural piece, a bronze, another really quite startling piece that involves some um, kangaroo roadkill and a concrete box, a live performance, screen prints, text and overhead projectors, a video piece, sound work, nine new anthems for Matt's nine new flags, <laughs> porcelain figures that have been dipped in coastal green. That's great. It's See, all that, very that Olga. Puts, that all puts very a picture Olga. inside my head straight away. <laughs> I think the listeners will get that one. <laughs> They'll get that one. <laughs> I'll get the others. I can't. I didn't want to give too much away about ro- about Wes's. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I that's haven't right. talked about yours yet, which is like going to be my go-to I would, place. I was going to ask you about that because um, mm. you know the idea. It's a cubby house kind of thing, mm. and it's got this thing in the roof. Yes. This multi-layered UV-activated yeah. light. Yeah. Sculpture, yeah. call it that. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the name, um, the Australian Cubby House? Oh. You don't like it. I'd be a bit more poetic. I'd be, I'd be saying Cubby House under the sky or something like that. Hmm. I think you need to think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. No, I, 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 your work is very poetic to me, and so oh, good. That's good. It needs to be something more than the Australian Cubby House. Oh, I, no, I didn't oh, even say it right. No, I said you it was have. the Australarium. Australarium Cubby House. Oh, yeah. well, that makes more sense. The Australarium yeah. Cubby House, but that's more descriptive. But is that a bit pretentious? How? How? So it's just making up your own word, you know. You can make up words is, if you want. If want, they're all really. used enough, they become words and suddenly they're in the Oxford Dictionary. It's true. This has been quite an adventure 
and it's just getting started. I want to thank Sharon, Janet Holmes Accord, and all the staff at the gallery, and to all the artists that took the time to come and talk to me about this. There's plenty of other artists involved in the project too, which are well worth checking out. As usual, there's more info and some links in the show notes. And this is Joe playing the piano. Thanks, Joe. But that's it. Australianiality. Thanks for listening.